0: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to the Kramerica. I hope you want to make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach and to put it in context. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me, of course, at Jim Kramer. Last night, the president-elect announced a gigantic $1.9 trillion stimulus, all sorts of goodies, exactly what Wall Street wanted. And what happened? Well, the averages rolled over. The Dow losing 177 points, S&P backsliding 0.72%, and the Nasdaq falling 0.87%. A lot of it fades way down. Now, if you scratch your head about this, the explanation is surprisingly simple, people. When an event occurs and the market gets exactly what it wants, but nothing more, it's treated as a reason to sell, not to buy. (laughs) Biden's stimulus bill merely met expectations. It didn't beat the stimulus whisper, so to speak. Plus, it sure didn't help that Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan and Citigroup all reported today and their numbers were promptly panned, good and bad. If the big banks are in trouble, well, that's a real problem. But I think the market completely misjudged these results. J.P. Morgan and Citigroup both made a ton of money. Wells Fargo's doing better than we could have imagined a couple of years ago. Even his CEO, Charlie Scharf, sounded disappointment. I think he's low frankly. Let me put it this way. If the bank stocks hadn't run up going into earnings, I bet JP Morgan would have rallied a couple of bucks today. Citi might have gained a point, and Wells Fargo might have dropped less than a point. Instead, all three got slaughtered. And they're repealing earlier gains. My advice, why don't you wait three days, counting today, then buy the stock at J.P. Morgan, the best of breed, or Wells Fargo, the worst of breed, that's going to be better. Remember, I love those C stories to get to B+. They'll be able to buy back a boatload of stock this year and raise their dividends substantially, which is exactly what the shareholder base really wants. You just need to be patient. Now, I know patience is in short supply everywhere, but that's what you must be if you're a bank investor. Now, with that cheery thought in mind, let's dive right into the game Today, we heard from the traditional deposit banks. On Tuesday, we're going to hear from an investment bank called Goldman Sachs, which specializes in all sorts of transactions as well as wealth management. I'm betting the quarter will be a barn burner. I think they had a great trading month in December, but the numbers might not matter, judging by today's reception for the big money center banks. Plus, Goldman stock has been a juggernaut, up from 190 in November to 301 now. In other words, it's coming in hot. And I don't like hot when it comes to earnings season. Only a massive earnings beat based on both revenue growth and lower expenses can propel this stock to higher levels. A normal beat is not enough. Plus, we need a super duper raised forecast in order for this stock to rally. Next up is Bank of America, which is much more of a deposit bank like three we heard from this morning. While the stock pulled back nearly 3% today, I think we'll be hard-pressed to rally much uh, after the quarter, uh, even as we interviewed CEO Brian Moynihan not long ago, and he said business has been terrific. The stock's been straight up ever since then. Like Goldman Sachs, Bank of America's coming and smoking in the last couple of mo- months, what, surged from 24 to 33. Once again, when the expectations are this high, it's not enough to be good. You've got to be great. How about Netflix? They reported after the close and the previews here are all over the map. Ever since the stock broke out above 500, I really haven't given it the attention it deserves, especially since that last quarter was suboptimal. I do think Netflix may finally be suffering from some fatigue thanks to all the new competition these days. It feels like everybody's got a streaming service rather than betting on them individually. I think the best play has been to put your money on a steaming arms dealer. Yes, like Roku, that enables the whole industry to stream. If Netflix wants to get its group back, it needs to blow away the numbers. But I am not holding my breath. Now, you could get a blowout on Wednesday, though, and that's when we hear from H United Health Group, Dow Stock. I expect yet another incredible, amazing quarter that still seems to surprise people. I don't know how they do it. The company's a machine, a money machine. And I would not be surprised if they also raised their forecast very big, too. And the people of think it's unexpected is really incredible. I'm telling you what's going to happen. How can it be unexpected if I told you to expect it? Now, I'm expecting a picture-perfect quarter from Procter Gamble. Also Wednesday morning. Why not? It moves a ton of merchandise overseas and for its numbers. Well, their first time in ages, the numbers will be boosted by a weak dollar rather than hampered by a strong dollar. Speaking of terrific results, it would shock me if Morgan Stanley somehow fails to beat the expectations, the investment bank has had a couple of months of E-Trade under its belt. And I bet we're going to be hearing that the online investors are pounding the table for new ideas. CEO James Gorman has navigated the brokerage waters better than anyone, except for maybe the fellows at Robin Well, gal, people at Robinhood. Uh, the only problem I see here is with Gorman himself. He's so darn self-effacing that he may make the quarter sound less impressive than it is. I'll have to give him a jingle. Figure out how to pump it up a little. Just kidding. After the close, we'll hear from United Airlines. When Delta reported this week, CEO Ed Bastian painted a bullish picture of our post-vaccine future. I liked the interview, but judging by the moribund action in the stock, it fell in deaf ears. That ratcheted down the whole group. Can United Airlines give these stocks a shot of oxygen? If we have a good vaccine day, then the answer is yes. Otherwise, it just will not matter. Thursday's a mishmash. Important names. Let's start with Union Pacific. This one's strange. The last time Union Pacific reported the stock fell more than 30 points, but since then it's made up all its losses and then some. (laughs) I don't know. The really good news, though, is that the rails now have a propensity to rally no matter what. And that's because of efficiencies and expense controls that had been lacking. After the close, we get some of the uh, most volatile story stocks out there, and I think they're going to lessen their volatility going forward. IBM and Intel. We think IBM is going to introduce the management team of what's effectively called NewCo, the services spinoff that represents the old IBM. I think the street will like what it hears, and the big dividend plus small growth story that is IBM could intrigue more conservative buyers. Then we have Intel. Which just shook up the joint, bringing up new CEO after the company suffered some multiple sales misses. They tapped an old hand, an engineer, Pat Gelsinger, who's done a terrific job running VMware in recent years. I bet he will do a fine job at Intel too, but I've got to tell you, the selling in competitor AMD, it's way overdone at this point. Then there's CSX, another railroad. Once again, I like what I see as industrial cargoes grow stronger. If it sells off in response to Union Pacific, probably going to be a buyer. Finally, Slumberger reports on Friday, and with the oil starting to do better, this stock has become the shining star of the oil service industry. I don't expect the quarter to be strong, but the recount has been rising week after week after week. And that is always good news for the stock known as slob, even though you know how I feel about the fossil fuel related stocks. They're just trades, not investments. As always, it is tough to game earning season. But the bottom line is that there are opportunities abounding. You just need to spot them first and figure out if they're trades or investments. With a trade, you have to get out the moment you have a win. With an investment, you want to buy gradually on the way down, and then you wait for the story to pay off. I need to go to Shane in New York. Shane Berg! Jim. First Booyah. time caller, long-term club member of your Action Alert Club. Oh, thank you, thank, thank you for being you a, a member. Thank you. We've had some sports, interesting sports. ideas of late. I'm glad you joined. What's going on? Stock I'm calling about surged 230 percent in the last six months. The, company, the company's on
1: a tear since the Georgia Senate race solidified Democratic control. And Biden has made an emphasis on clean energy in the upcoming term. I took some money off the table earlier this week, so I'm playing with the House's money.
0: It dropped big today like everything else. Is this a good buying opportunity? The stock is sun run. I like sun run. But then again, I have to tell you, I like solar. Uh, I've liked every single solar. Uh, yes, including the red hot. part. I thought you were going to say, you know which one I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say end phase. Uh, which is another one I like. But you know what? I got to tell you something, Shane These stocks can go down for, for a bunch of days. There's a lot of people who bought these uh, waiting for uh, for uh, an election result and for Biden to take office. And now they're selling off because of that. I think you have to wait till a couple of days after the inauguration to make this one work. We need. And thank you for joining ActionAlertsPlus.com. Can I go to Ethan in Arizona, please? Ethan. How's it going? It's not bad. of you, Ethan? Not too bad. It's a good day. I'm glad it's Friday, but at the same time, I'm sad. But, you know, I'm in this dry January thing. Friday seems like Tuesday. <laughs> Fair it does. Enough. Every I day know, seems like tomorrow, Tuesday man. with this dry January. Whoever thought of stupid? Yes. Never mind. Sorry, it's off topic. What's going on? Yeah. Uh, so here, I'm calling on behalf of the ticker GHIV Gores Holdings. Gores Holdings, yeah, They're I know that.
2: Okay, okay. They're going to have that merger soon with uh, United Wholesale mo- uh, Mortgage. And this is one of the biggest mergers in the last couple of years and uh, they happen to be the number one lenders and they're also number two in wholesale. But their their last merge they also did surged 200 percent so I want to know what your opinion is on the fact and whether or not you think it's a buy or not.
0: I kicked this around because we're doing so much work in specs. I kicked this around and we decided we like Gore's Holdings, which in many ways we like Gore's, which means that could be the answer. But that's not enough for you, and I don't I, I don't mean to be give you short shrift. I just the only thing we could say was hey they're smart guys, but sometimes that does matter at this stage. Uh, so Ethan. That my only contribution is to say I like them, but the stock itself is harder for me because there's so many of these and I haven't done enough work on it. Got to be honest about this. There's there's something like hundred of these facts. I'm trying to learn every one of them. I'm, I'm ruining my life. No, the dry January. Just kidding. Like two jokes there. The Gorman, I was kidding. And there's uh, all right. There are opportunities here. You just have to figure out if they're trades, which means you got to go when you get the news, or investments, which allows you to buy data if things go wrong. On Mad Money Tonight, Porch isn't wasting any time on the acquisition front. Three weeks after going public, the company snatched up four companies yesterday. This thing's a rocket ship. I'm talking with the CEO about the move. Then a Chaotic Market, I'm focusing on big secular themes that can work in any environment. You must not miss my take and bring a pencil and paper or whatever you use to my 5G revolution ETF. And I'm sitting down with the CEO of Upstart to find out how the company hopes to bring the excitement of AI, which I know all the people like in technology, to the state world of banking. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag MadTweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Last year, we saw scores of private outfits effectively coming public by merging with special purpose acquisition companies. You hear they're called SPACs. You mostly hear about them in reference to electric vehicles. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. we got a lot more homework to do in all these. Take Porch Group, which is a home services network that helps people find the right movers or contractors. They also offer software solutions to those same movers and contractors, and much more than that. Thanks to their back-end technology, Porch gets an early look into which consumers are moving, which allows them to make the first offer, attracting new users to the platform, getting a cut of any services they book through the site. It's kind of ingenious to me. Now, Porch listed its stock via reverse merge with SPAC, just before Christmas. Last night, the company announced that it's going to be more of a traditional special purpose acquisition roll up. They plan to make four acquisitions. On top of that, Porch pre-announced some excellent fourth quarter numbers and raised their 2021 revenue forecast. And that's why the stocks surged 12 percent today. You know, I love bringing you into these SPAC related entities as no one else covers them. So can this keep roaring? Let's take a closer look with Matt Ehrlichman. He's the founder, chairman and CEO of Porch Group to get a better sense of where his company is headed. Mr. Ehrlichman, welcome back to Mad Money. It is great to be back, Jim. Well, I got to tell you, Matt, you've really done something pretty amazing here because you've kind of made it so that all the things I hate doing when I buy houses and we have bought a bunch of them are now going to be taken care of. And the people who benefit are the homeowner first and then everybody else. Why don't you walk us through that and also these acquisitions, which really kind of make it so it's a flywheel?
2: You got it. It is a flywheel. We, we provide back-end software to companies and help those companies grow, companies like home inspection companies or moving companies. And those companies introduce us to homeowners and really home buyers, to your point. And so we really are making that experience for anyone that's moving into a new home feel like it does to a CEO, where you get this corporate relocation and everything's just handled for you and it's magical. We really think that should be the experience everybody has you know, across the country. And so those companies give us this this channel of consumers every single month that we get to help with key services like insurance. And, and that would be a key focus where we really have layered this insure tech you know, business on top of our vertical software platform. So how are be uh,
0: certain, because we were looking at the site today, that you've got the, the best that consumers might want? What's the uh, secret sauce here so that I feel confident getting using the players that you have?
2: Yeah, the reality is, is that we help people through that move with um, all of the options that they might want to even select from. So let's say that you are moving into your home. Well, you're going to need homeowners insurance. Right. And so we've gone and we've partnered with a variety of different carriers. In fact, the biggest carriers. So you can see every single price in the matter of a minute or two. And now we've even started to layer in, as of just yesterday with an acquisition we announced, our own homeowner's insurance product so we can be able to really control that experience for consumers completely. But let's say you need a mover. Well, we've integrated with virtually all of the moving companies across the country. So if you just want a couple people to carry the heavy stuff, we'll show you all the options and all the pricing and all the reviews. But we also integrate with all the moving truck companies and the storage companies. So we'll help you end to end with any kind of move you want. TV, internet, security, if you need your TV mounted for that first weekend movie, it really is this comprehensive solution for the consumer. So let me ask you, Matt, uh, you have a software as
0: a service. uh, Let's let's just use this roofing one that you bought. It's a good example where it's not just uh, it's not like the old days that you call someone and they get you've got what what uh, let's say what Mark Benioff does with Salesforce.com for roofing.
2: That's exactly right. I mean, at the core, our business is a vertical software platform. You know, we go and we sell software to home services companies. So just as an example, 28% of all of the home inspections that happen in the US. So if you think about when you make an offer on a home, you have to go get an inspection. Well, 28% of all of those in the country are managed through the software platform that we provide and sell to those inspection companies. But we do that exactly right in the moving category. We do that now in the roofing category as of an acquisition we announced yesterday to be able to help those companies grow. And then through that, we can help them help provide a better experience to their consumer. Well, I mean, to me, when I was thinking about this, uh, my principal concern is
0: time. I'm blessed, fortunate enough, decent job, you know, lucky enough, but I do not have the time if I found a house in some place that I really want to go to do any of these things. So can I literally go almost autopilot to porch and get all this done?
2: That's it. I mean, imagine if when you're moving, which is the third most stressful time in people's lives, behind only death of a family member and divorce, You know, imagine if, you know, that is now easy and everything's just taken care of and, hey, we'll get your insurance set up for you. No problem. Uh, We'll go ahead and we'll get all the movers coordinated. No problem. It'll just happen for you behind the scenes. We'll get your TV and Internet set up. We'll help you get your electricity set up. We'll get the security system set up for your home. We'll, again, make sure that all the little tasks are taken care of that come out of that inspection report, you know, so we can help the consumer holistically. And by doing that, these companies that we partner with, these 11,000 companies that we provide software to, you know, we make them look good you know, yes. to their customers and really stand out from their competition.
0: Well, I, I understand why, this, why your stock's doing well. You have a, a really great, really great product that everybody benefits from using, including me the next time I move. Matt Ehrlichman, founder, chairman, CEO of Porch. Great to see you again. You too. Guys, this is a good one. Matt Ehrlichman, and I've got to tell you, we followed his, his career and what they're doing. And one thing that you've got to do is you've got to go to their site. You can see how simple it is, and you'll know exactly what they really do. I urge you to do that before you buy the stock. May money's back here for the a chaotic market with lots of confusing cross currents, you need to stay focused on the big secular themes that should keep working regardless of the botched vaccine rollout or prospects or failure of another huge stimulus bill. And as 2021 gets rolling, few themes are more exciting than the arrival of 5G. Yet 5G wireless networks, that's the next generation of connectivity, could be up to 100 times faster than the 4G networks most of us use, are finally being rolled out in a meaningful way. This is about a lot more than speed, though, and people keep confusing that. See, 5G is the first wireless standard to be optimized for IoT, the Internet of Things. Only that means you should be able to connect a lot more devices at once using 90% less power, so much longer battery life. We've been getting ready for the big 5G build-out for years, It really got rolling last year, but now it's got the momentum we need to invest in. So tonight I want to give you a variety of different ways to play it, which is why we've created the Mad Money 5G ETF, made from 10 of my favorite 5G names. We really had to boil this list down because there are many we could have put in, but we want these 10 because they're emblematic. Let's start with a wireless carrier because that is where it all begins, right, or all ends if you're a supplier. And we got to use T-Mobile. Now That's been the best performing in the group, thanks to the leadership of the Magenta Cloud, former CEO, John Leisure, And then the Hartford Sprint merger that put it on a nearly equal footing with AT&T and Verizon, just like they pleaded in front of Antitrust. More importantly, under new CEO Mike Sievert, T-Mobile's laid some serious groundwork for the 5G build-out, putting them in a great position going forward. Right now, the consensus among experts is that T-Mobile has the most widely available 5G network, although Verizon still has the fastest speeds if you're lucky enough to have coverage. The company's extended range 5G now covers 280 million people across nearly 1.6 million square miles. Earlier this week, they announced some new multi-billion dollar agreements with Ericsson and Nokia to keep expanding that network. It really is a juggernaut. Under other circumstances, I'd feel nervous, including T-Mobile. (laughs) The darn thing rallied 72 percent last year. But seeing as the stock has now pulled back a quick eight bucks from its highs, I had a good day today, uh, just on Monday. Uh, It went down for no particular reason, frankly. I think you're getting a good buying opportunity. Speaking of buying opportunities, how about this one? We need a cell tower play, of course, and I like one that has not been that good. Crown Castle, okay? Uh, Crown Castle's, it's, I, I like it so much, I bought it for the Charitable Trust, uh, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Now, the key here is that Crown Castle has spent many years by the way, and billions of dollars, building out the infrastructure for ultra-fast 5G networks in densely populated areas. In the age of 4G, these bets haven't quite paid off yet, so the stock's been kind of a bow-wow. But as more and more 5G-enabled devices get sold, that could change practically overnight, like we saw with the rollout of 3G not long after the original iPhone launched in the meantime. Hey, by the way, uh, the great thing here, 3.4% yield. The stock was up today. The reason why the stock was up today is because it's a real estate investment trust and it is an interest rate play. So when bond, all the I don't know if you saw that, all the yielding stocks like American Electric Power, they all went up, including Crown Castle. So uh, it's kind of trapped between real estate investment trust uh, rates and the actual business it's in, which is cell towers. How about hardware? The most obvious play here, of course, is Apple. And it's always going to be Apple. Why? Because it's just launched the 5G-enabled iPhone 12 back in October, which I just got. You know my feelings on this one. Own it, don't trade it. I think Apple's poised to benefit from a huge 5G upgrade cycle. The company's reportedly asking suppliers for 95 to 96 million iPhone units this year. It's up 30% from 2020, and 5G isn't even widely available yet. By the way, it's doing very well in China, much better than people realize. As the networks get better, the story gets more attractive. Plus, you've got the rapidly growing service revenue stream that's making Apple into more of a consumer product story, not to mention the fabulous success of the AirPods and the watch, or the ratcheting down of tensions with China. I think that's going to happened almost immediately with Biden. Now, see, it doesn't hurt that the stocks pulled back more than 10 bucks from several highs. It was very, very heavily traded today in a negative way. And that was despite we got uh, two different number bumps. And the reason why it was down, obviously, is it's caught in the whole maelstrom right now of tech. If you're looking for a large cap tech. Now, if you're looking for more speculative hardware play, I think you go with a company called Inseego. These guys make 5G infrastructure, including some of the 5G mobile hotspots that you can buy for Verizon. Or T-Mobile. A corporate is one on my radar. I didn't really know it. We covered it in a homework piece a year and a half ago. Since then, it's been a gigantic winner. Well, uh, the story's only gotten better and better, so that makes sense. Ensego did a couple of capital raises, allowed them to clean up the balance sheet. Plus, you're getting a nice entry point. Again, stocks down 20% from its December highs for no particular reason. Of course, you can't have hardware without components. Which is why we need a bunch of semiconductor names for the 5G, uh, for our 5G ETF. It was hard to narrow these ones down. I mean, I got to tell you, there was some real duking out here with Ben Stoto about this one because we had different views, but that's okay. We resolved it. And let me give you my four favorites. First, there's Marvell Technology, which I told you from the very beginning at $17 was the best 5G play. It makes chips for networking, communications, and storage. We own it for the travel trust. We got a huge gain. We're sticking with it. Here's a company with explosive 5G growth. Their their only problem, frankly, is their supply constraint because demand is off the charts. I'm calling that a high-quality problem. Marvell's firing on all cylinders. They just got a terrific partnership with Microsoft to develop their new line of in-house server chips. But the key here is indeed the 5G build-out. I know uh, when you see this, Doc, you say nosebleed. But remember... It was way, way down because of a very convoluted reorganization they did that people didn't get. We've had Matt Murphy on the show. He's a stand-up guy. Next up is Qualcomm. Now, their technology platform is essential for 5G networks to actually work as advertised. Qualcomm's in everything. They've spent years working on the technology and fighting some of their customers in court, frankly, including Apple. With the 5G build-out heating up, we're now approaching the payoff period. I know, again, it's rallied from 60 to 157 over the past 10 months. Still sells for less than 20 times next year's earnings. I don't want you to look at where stocks have been. I want you to think about where stocks are going. Speaking of that, how about Skyworks Solution? Okay, now Skyworks, which makes cell phone components, think power amplifiers and radio frequency chips that enable connectivity. This one's pretty straightforward. A 5G phone needs a lot more from Skyworks content than a 4G phone. Uh, they're a huge supplier to Apple. Obviously, they can't talk about that when they're on the calls. And, and, and that's why a lot of people are confused that they, well, geez, do they have Apple? Well, they're not allowed to talk about it. Now, this stock has more than doubled from the March lows. But fortunately, it spent the last week selling off, giving you a nice entry point right now. And just so you know, what's our history with this one? We recommended this stock at $5 when David Aldrich was one of our first guests. The fourth chipmaker, and that's our previous CEO, Liam Griffin's the current one. Uh, he's a uh, Patriots fan, so I'm sure he's just miserable, and that's okay. The fourth chip maker, Taiwan Semiconductor, okay? You know, this is the largest and arguably the most strategically important semiconductor company in the world. So it's a little 650 billion company. They don't design chips. They basically uh, are a huge outsource manufacturer for the entire industry. Think of it as a play on the volume when volume is incredible. Taiwan Semi just announced they're boosting their capital expenditure budget by 50 percent, 25, 28 billion dollars, because they've got a bit. They're part of that chip shortage that you keep reading about but they are making a killing from 5G. The United States better get in there and protect this company. Believe me, when you hear about China wanting Taiwan, they want TSMC. We gotta ratchet that down. Beyond semiconductors, these new networks need security. In a more connected world where everything's hooked up to the cloud, well, you gotta have cloud-native cybersecurity plays, and we're choosing CrowdStrike. Think of it like this. Every new 5G device on a network is a new point of vulnerability. Businesses need solutions that can scale, and this is it. CrowdStrike's had an incredible run over the past year, up 264%. But like many of these, it's pulled back in recent weeks. Remember I say buy it on a pullback? When the pullback happens, I say act, don't just sit there. Finally, we want our 5G ETF to have some exposure to what's known as the edge, the technology that makes up the last piece of a network where it actually connects to your phone, which brings us... Fastly, the controversial next-generation content delivery network that helps digital media companies seamlessly transmit their content. Finally, uh, fast, fastly stock, and here's why it's controversial. It got cut in half in October when the Trump White House decided to crack down on the biggest customer, TikTok. Since then, it's regained about half the ground. It lost. It really shocked people when it happened. Uh, it's got a new uh, president taking over. It's going to change very. I think when Biden comes in, now uh, he's much less so of a threat to TikTok. Fastly's got the best technology, and everyone admits that. Even without TikTok exposure, it would be worth owning at these levels. It's time to take it out of the penalty box, and I welcome them back on. Here's the bottom line. I could think of a bunch of other terrific 5G plays. We started with dozens of them. But if you want a relatively diversified basket, you go for it and write these down. T-Mobile, and that's for the whole network. Crown Castle, which we know is for towers. Apple and Seago, the actual. Qualcomm, Marvell Tech, Skyworks Solutions. We've got all those different suppliers. Taiwan Semi, which is the outsourced supplier. CrowdStrike, because we need security. And then Fastly for the Edge, Joe in New York. Joe.
1: Joe, I'm, I'm interested in learning a little bit more about how short term gain tax plays a role in your decision to sell a stock. I've owned a data dog for about eight to 10 months now. I've
2: earned more than 100 percent of my original investment, and I'm leading towards lessening the position. But I'm not too thrilled about giving Uncle Sam 35 percent. Any thoughts on how to proceed?
0: I don't blame you, but I'm looking in Jim Cramer's Real Money, which is the second book I wrote. And one of the things that I say is don't fear the tax man. Be far more worried about taking a capital gain, uh, about taking a capital loss and taking a capital gain. So my advice to you is you think Datadog is going to have fundamentals that turn south. Then you should sell it. But I've got good news. I think they're going to be good. You can hold on. Staying focused on big sector themes is key, like the arrival of 5G. And now you've got the mad money 5G ETF. Some firm will go make tens of millions of dollars from my ETF. And like Agent Sam Gerard, I don't care. Now, much more mad money. Yet. I'm sitting down with a former Google executive to find out how his newly public company is revolutionizing lending. Don't miss my exclusive with Upstart. Then why the private sector could be the answer to all the COVID vaccines troubles. Hey, yeah, my plan. And lawyer calls rapid fire tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This market loves FinTech financial technology stocks. A month ago, Upstart, an artificial intelligence-powered lending platform, came public at 20 bucks. Since then, get this, the stock's been on an explosive run, opening at 26 then surging all the way to $69 a couple days ago for pulling back to 56 today. I think it is worth taking a closer look now that it's cooling off. Upstart uses data and its AI technology to facilitate consumer lending. Now, look, they don't lend money themselves. They're a marketplace that matches borrowers and lenders. They, they take a referral fee. Unlike so many other red hot IPOs, Upstart's borderline profitable. Can you believe it? And it's growing like a weed. But is it worth paying up at these, for these levels? Maybe you want to pull back. Let's check in with David Gerard. He's the co founder and CEO of Upstart. Learn more about his company and his prospects. Mr. Gerard, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Okay, so, Dave, because it's your first time, I want you to be able to just walk our viewers through what Upstart does, because they're not going to go to Upstart Bank. So it's a little bit more opaque, but I bet you can explain it to them in a way that's pretty darn interesting.
1: Yeah, sure. So Upstart is an artificial intelligence lending platform. So we help banks uh, originate consumer credit with the power of AI. And what that basically means is much higher approval rates, much lower loss rates, and a whole lot of automation, so that their bank their, their lending programs can be more profitable uh, and, and larger and grow quickly. Uh, the interesting thing about upstart is we 're actually both a consumer and an enterprise company, and that we market to consumers under the under, under the upstart brand, and then we refer them to our ai enabled bank partners b to
0: b to c that 's right now uh, there are people you told me to look at this and you know you 've got to ask about. Uh, how the, the partner concentration and lead gen con- concentration and whether you can get them broader, because to me, the model works for it can work for every institution in this business.
1: Yeah, you know, our view generally is uh, all lending is headed toward the use of AI because the economics you can improve are are, are pretty dramatic. Um, so we started really in our first several years working with just one small bank and, and really just refining the consumer experience and getting the AI models learning and growing very quickly. In the last couple of years, we've been ready to take it out to the market. There's 10 or so banks on our platform today And uh, that's kind of our future, not to become a bank like other fintechs are doing, but really to become a partner to banks so that they can really move into this very um, sort of game changing technology, AI lending.
0: You know, Dave, I I was trying to figure out how big this could be. And I came across a commencement speech from a fellow from Google, uh, Kai-Fu Lee. He gave a speech. I'm not sure if you know his work from Google at the School of Engineering at Columbia and said that there are millions of people right now getting loans, AI, in China, and that the loss ratio is dramatically lower than any bank in our country.
1: Yeah, you know, other parts of the world, China in particular, often are at the forefront of these types of things because they don't have credit bureaus and other sort of standard, normal ways to do these things. And in some sense, it's been a strength that we have these things, but also a weakness in that the, the US market has somewhat lagged. So we're really the first or among the first to bring AI and much more aggressive approach to modernizing lending uh, to the US market in partnership, in partnership with banks.
0: Well, that's why I felt that a lot of people are always looking for something that can scale. When I looked at your company, I said, you probably have many, many years, and the total adjustable market for your product is gigantic, and we're getting in literally on the ground floor with Upstart.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, we're in, you know, we started in personal loans. We're just expanding into auto loans. But we're really just in one country and in a couple of market segments, yet we're growing very quickly. And as, and as I said, you know, all flavors of lending are going to move to AI. And the reasons are obvious. When we talk to a bank, our story is we can help you increase approval rates two to three times versus your current model with the same loss rate. And that's, a, that's not like a 10 basis point improvement. That's a massive 100 percentage per, percent or more improvement. And that's how, how impactful AI can be to lending. So we do believe it will be everywhere eventually.
0: Is there any way that anyone else could have uh, the, the amount of data points that you have? It seems like that you have a, a tremendous, tremendous retinue, many different parts of Mosaic. Can that be replicated by anyone else or do you think you've got pretty proprietary stuff going?
1: Yeah, I mean, with enough time and energy and the right team, of course, you can, you can build an AI model, but you can't shortcut it. We have over 1600 data points on every applicant and we've been originating loans with that data since 2014. There's now 9 million plus repayment events when someone actually makes a monthly payment or, or, or is delinquent in doing so. And our model is being trained on that. Okay. And you can think of that as like, you know, Tesla just put out that they have three billion miles of autonomous driving on their platform. And Tesla is that far ahead of the market. So AI is a data game and it's a training game. And there's just no shortcutting that. You need the data, you need the time for the machines to learn.
0: Great point. Absolutely. That is the real moat. Dave Gerard, founder and CEO of Upstart UPST. Great to see you, sir. Thank you for coming on May. It's a very interesting company, and when I hear something can scale for years, ah, oh, geez, it makes me like it. Dead money's back in for break. It is time! It's time for the night <laughs> And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski That is Over the lightning round, Claire's in the with Brandon, MG, Brandon.
1: A big booyah to you from Woodbridge, Virginia. Thanks for having me, Jim. My Virginia question is on American Airlines stocks. So, pre pandemic, the stock's at around 30 bucks a share, then dips all the way to, I think, a low of 8 last year. Today, it's hovering at like $15.5 with the vaccine starting to roll out. Do you think it's going to be a bull or a bear for 2021?
0: I think that that stock has now moved up too much into the giant equity offering. They had to do it. They had to raise money. I think I don't know how much money they're losing. Felicity had Bastion this week at Delta. He's still losing a lot of money. So my suggestion is buy the stock of Boeing. Because if it really comes back, everyone's short planes and needs them. That's my idea. I want to go to Craig in California, please. Craig. Hey, Jimbo. Hey, how's it going there, buddy? Doing well.
1: How about you? Yeah, doing all right. Doing all right. I'm looking at a stock here. Seems to be down considerably from its 52 week high. Sports a 2% yield. I've uh, been real busy lately. Just thought i made a big purchase of Telefonica.
0: And I like the purchase of Insights Wireless. What's your long term thoughts on AMPS? Is it still an ATM? I, it's very funny you say that, because remember, when when Jim Takelett was there, I always felt that way. Now I'm not so sure. I like Crown Castle more Trust. You can follow one by joining the Plus.com club. We've been buying Crown Castle. stock's way down. The reason why AMT is going down is because, like Crown Castle, it trades off at interest rates. It shouldn't. These are growth companies, but that's what happens. I would prefer you to be in CCI than I would you to be in AMT. Keith in Indiana. Keith. yeah, Jim. yeah. First-time caller. Been watching you since the Pueblo Kramer days. Holy cow! That was when TVs had rabbit ears.
1: <laughs> Thanks for all you do for us home gamers. Thanks, hey, you. Positive
0: welcome. news all the
1: time about uh, uh, this company. Uh, it seems to be in a three to five dollar range for the last five months. Uh, is 2021 going to be any better for Opco Health or is this dead money?
0: I, I I don't know what to say, Keith. I'm glad you brought this up. Bioreference Labs is having just a killer year. Some of the other things that they've got in there are amazing. Dr. Phil Frost was visionary, but it won't get out of its way. I have actually looked at the stock every day to say, is this the day? Is this the day? I'm beginning to believe you don't want to hear this, but the day is not arriving. At least anytime soon. Uh, Angel in Florida. Angel. Hey, and Booyah. Booyah back. Get out of here.
1: First off, thank you for everything that you do. I'm a new investor, and I recently got into General Motors, ticker symbol GM. I love what they're doing, especially with the EV play, and I wanted to get your thoughts
0: on it. Thank you so much. You know what? I cannot agree with you more. Um, I have decided. I, you know, I went positive on the autos. The Travel Trust bought Ford. Farley's great. Byers doing an amazing job now at GM. That company could be worth far more. No, it's not going to be the next Tesla. Next Tesla. Next Tesla. I don't get Teslaed enough. But I think it's real good. That's me, in my head, Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. Because if you're in this business, it's the Tesla business. Let's go to Brian Ooh, in, in Sweet Home, Alabama. Brian.
2: Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Hey, thanks for taking my call and my sharing murder. your wisdom so we can get our money to work for us. Okay. What is your take on what is your take on surface oncology with all that we've learned through the COVID pandemic? Could surf become a bull? With the work in genomics. I think this
0: is a fabulous spec because it's genomics and it's oncology. So then you can say, well, Jim, what do you mean spec? I mean, uh, look, I, I candidly am not in the genomics oncology business, but I know that this is where, if you wanted to have a speculative stock, it seems like a very good place to be. Can we go to Isaac in Colorado, please? Isaac.
1: This Kramer. Thanks for having me on. Love the show. I got oh. a two part question for you. Okay. I purchased the stock in early November of 2020, and since then it's been unperforming, including today, down 14% from its November high. As I do my research to discover why, I can find no reason to justify this trading behavior. This company has a very impressive track record over the last decade outperforming the S&P, and is currently my third largest holding in my portfolio. My questions are, why is it experiencing this downward trend? And two, do I increase my position, hold, or sell? The stock is
0: SPGI. I think SPGI is a remarkable company. I like this acquisition. I think it's great. Some of these high growth companies have uh, started to uh, roll over. People are scared. I think you should actually buy some SPGI. Let me tell you how crazy I was about this. When I saw it was uh, going down, I was searching and searching. Finally, I realized that the guy who's the CEO, his name is Doug Peterson. I think they were confusing him with the guy from Nagels. I would buy that stock. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the. Lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. A vaccine, a vaccine, my kingdom for a vaccine. Everywhere I go, I keep hearing people tell me that they trade or anything for a shot in the arm. It might as well be ripped from a production of Richard III. That's why I'm thrilled Biden picked Dr. David Kessler, the head of the FDA under both George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton, to run the vaccine rollout. He's terrific. We need someone who realizes the kingdom is at stake and he actually has a chance to do something about it. But when Biden rolled out his covid plan earlier today, I got to tell you, I was torn. Oh, there's some good stuff in there. More vaccination sites uh, paying the states to bring in the National Guard using the Defense Production Act to boost uh, to boost production. I mean, how about common sense? Not bad. Huh? However, they're trying to build on and improve the current program. And I think we needed a clean break from it. We have to accept that the decision to pass the ball to the states was pure idiocy. If you were trying to ensure the vaccine got to as few people as possible, you'd hand it off to 50 different cash-strapped governments that are way over their heads because they know nothing about public health. They've got enough on their plates. They can't handle vaccine distribution. Reimbursing them from National Guard mobilization is a smart move. But I'd rather see the states taken out of the equation entirely federalized. I've said from the beginning, this whole program should be administered by the military. Take over the high schools all over the country and jab people around the clock from now until March, when the CDC projects that the faster spreading form of COVID will become the dominant strain. To make that happen, you need to scrap the current program and do something smarter. Ideally, yes, I would make it so that the federal government ran the whole thing. But if that's not possible, if we have state and involvement and we're stuck with it, how about some public-private partnerships? They, there are better and worse ways to do it. What's the better or maybe best way? Last night we spoke to Darius Damczyk. He's the CEO of Charlotte, North Carolina, based Honeywell. And he's as fed up as the rest of us about this cockamamie uh, way that things are being done. So you know, when he picked up the phone, called the management of the Carolina Panthers, and said, let's solve this thing, at least North Carolina. Then they brought an Atrium Health local... Uh, Company, nonprofit healthcare outfit, 42 hospitals, and they plan to vaccinate 10,000 people a day in the Panthers Stadium. This morning, I talked to David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, and asked him why he got involved. He made it clear that the vaccine could be a game changer. Hey, you want some cosmic irony? I interviewed Tepper last year, the day before the Super Bowl, and he's the one who made me realize the pandemic could be a catastrophic game changer. Now he just wants to get as many shots in the arms as quickly as possible, like you and me, even if it means, of course, Him doing it himself. Oh, he was confident they can make it happen because nobody knows how to get people in and out as fast as possible better than the owner of an NFL team. Think about that, right? Think about it. It's about throughput, isn't it? The ability to vaccinate many more people at once. That's the answer here. So I think Dr. Kessler should call the owners of every sports team in this country. They're all rich and have them coordinate to get people vaccinated in their stadiums like Tepper's doing in North Carolina. Now, in a perfect world, we just have the military do everything because they know how to get big jobs done and we trust them. Sadly, the federal government alone is more cash-strapped than companies and team owners. They have better allergies than the federal government. Over the past 40 years, though, we've shrunk the government so much that I'm not even sure it has the capacity to do big things. So if the feds can't do it, they should bring in private industry like they're doing in North Carolina. Companies like Honeywell and the NFL franchises have a greater breadth of knowledge, know how to do supply chain management. They have more scale than the government itself, even if they can't print money. Believe me, private industry wants the pandemic to end as much as anyone else. Their businesses depend on getting people immunized. They've got every incentive to help. So let's put them to work. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you Tuesday. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.